Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. New series to kick off a brand new year. How many of you, how many of you love January? Yeah. <laughs> Not enough hands. How many of you loathe January? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You know, this series, I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this series. Habits of the heart, reimagining and redefining normal. How many of you have something that, like growing up, you thought was normal, only to find out later in life it was not normal? Anybody have those, those things you did or family routines? Like one person said, they thought it was normal to not go to school whenever it rained hard. That was normal. Because they had like the world's best mom. Every time it rained hard, for some reason, their mom would make them stay home from school. They would order in Chinese takeout and they would watch scary movies all day. And they thought that was normal. And it wasn't until they were growing up, they thought everybody just stayed home from school on rainy days. Uh, I, I think that is a great mom. Um, another one, this was another one. This, they, they grew up thinking that it was illegal I shouldn't say grew up. It was like later in childhood they figured this out. But they thought it was illegal every when they went to the grocery store. They thought it was illegal for the cashier to sell candy to the kids unless it was their birthday. How smart of a parent was that? Oh, yeah, that was it. They said, I was in third grade. I figured out my mom had been lying to me because she told me, oh, no, the cashier, it's illegal for them to sell except on your birthday. So, parents, if you need an out, I think that's a pretty good one. But, you know, some of these are kind of weird. Like some, some people, they were telling the story about how they thought every time, they, they, their senses, they had this weird disorder, synesthesia or something like that, where their senses get mixed up. Every letter had a particular color. They saw letters in color and numbers in color. And it's a weird thing. And they were, like, they were grown up in life until they realized, you know, not everybody sees every letter A red. Isn't that crazy? Now, maybe you're watching and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's a thing? Because that's the thing. But how many of you are pronouncing words? I read a lot as a kid, and I remember, like, I had good phonetics, but some of them I kind of missed. Go ahead, media, put this first word up. How many of you, this one, like, debacle? Yep, that's how I pronounce that for the majority. I was like an adult. This was like in life, even the last 10 years. I'm like, what is that word? Like, why are you saying it like that? It's debacle. It's like, no, it's not. That's weird. How about, this is another one as a kid. I remember reading this one as a book, epitome. I'm like, I knew the word epitome. I just didn't know that's how you spelt it. And so I read, like, every time I'd read a book, it's like epitome, epitome. It's like, oh, that's a weird word. I wonder what that word means. And I knew how to use the word epitome, but I didn't know that the two were connected. Isn't that funny? How about, how about this one? Go ahead for this one. How many of you call it expresso? Expresso. Or how about the next one? This is a common one. Mischievous. That is not how you say that word. Mischievous. We have, I know, what are you like? What? It's mischievous. Not mischievous. That is not after the V. Here's another one. This is like, I, I'm embarrassed to say this is recent. Put the last one up. How do you say that word? Yeah, often. Often. No, it's often. I thought that was just like lazy speech, but it's not. 
And you probably have your own list of weird words you say or things you did as a family that you thought, I mean, Church Online, you got the benefit right now. You can write in comments of weird things that you thought were normal growing up only to find out, or you thought it was normal only to find out growing up it was weird or not normal. But there were a lot of good things that when I, I oh, oh, yeah, we won't go there. There's a lot of good things that are normal, that are actually really impacting. I mean, these things, they aren't very impacting. But there's a lot of things that I'm actually really thankful for that were normal for me growing up, that it wasn't until I was older in my teens, and even some of them even in my adulthood, that were not normal when it came to others. You know, one of the things that was really normal for me growing up is we prayed before every meal. We held hands. It was a start to keep our hands out of the food when we were little. But we held hands and we prayed. And my dad prayed out loud. And sometimes it was a long prayer, but he prayed out loud. And we even did that in restaurants. And that weirded me out. I hated it. But you know what? It set a tone for something. It's like we give thanks for our food. Another thing that was really normal for me growing up is I, my mom and dad never disagreed in front of us kids. If they had a serious argument, they went into the bedroom. Now, that can go both ways. I didn't see my parents fight, but I also didn't learn how to really resolve conflict that healthy either. But there were other things. We learned, we knew it was you don't go into mom and dad's bedroom. You just don't play in there. You don't jump around. And you definitely don't go in there when the door's shut. But things growing up are, that we thought were normal, you know, growing for me, it was, you know, my parents were really intentional about family time together. Whether it was eating meals together, we ate together, at least we ate breakfast and we ate supper together. Didn't matter where you were at, you had to be home at this time for supper. They were intentional about other family time together. Sundays, it just wasn't a question, are we going to church? We went to church. That was the normal practice. And even to this day in October, when I was not able to be in church for about a month due to a couple different scenarios, it was weird. It felt so not normal. Tithing and giving, it was just normal. And there's a lot of normal things that we do that have great impact. And normal is actually a powerful force that shapes us every day. And this is good. Because normal things, like brushing your teeth, mean you're probably going to have your teeth longer. Like, instead of them all falling out. You know, eating healthy and exercising regularly, that's not about body image. That's about taking care of your body so you're healthy, so you're strong, so you can live a long, full life. Saying no to sugar and processed food isn't just about a diet so that you don't put on weight. Saying no to sugar and processed food is actually about good mental health choices. It's about good longevity. Other things that are normal, reading a book daily. That normal practice, you know what it is? It, it, it not only makes you a lifelong learner, it actually prevents or slows down degenerative mental disorders like Alzheimer's, dementia, simple things. So normal can be pretty impacting, yes? But now the downside of normal is it's boring because it's normal. So we don't give much attention to it. 
And, and see, as Western, you know, Westerners in the 21st century, we have been conditioned to believe that unless something gives us a hit, dopamine, if we don't get that hit, it's not worth our time. Or it's insignificant, or it's inconsequential to our life. But even as, and I, and I find even as Jesus followers, that we have this, this understanding too, like we've come to equate how effective or how powerful a spiritual experience is by how stimulated it makes us. Was it a feel-good experience? Then it was powerful. But if I didn't feel good, something was off with the team today. Man, they sucked. We've come to equate that hit, that feel-good with life change. And that's actually not where life change happens. See, the thing that is shaping you is not the highlight reels of life. The thing that shapes you and is continuing to shape you isn't the feel-good, positive experiences of life. The things that are shaping you the most are the little normal things that you do every day. Some of them without thinking about it, and some of them you're intentional. Some of them have great consequence for your life, and some of them are just kind of like, eh, you know, well, you know, I might not brush my teeth every day, but I don't really care if I don't have my teeth when I'm 70, whatever year. And even when it comes to what's shaping us spiritually, see, the greatest spiritual moments, the greatest spiritual, I, I would even go so far as to say the deepest spiritual formation and transformation that's taking place in you doesn't come from a conference or a big event or a concert. Now, those might sow a seed, but those don't create the life change. See, what's creating the life change is the normal daily routines because those moments that are repeated turn into habits, and habits are what form us. And, you know, I think this is why Paul said in Romans 12, 1. And I love this in the message version because it just brings it home in such an everyday way. So he says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Everyone say everyday, ordinary. Everyday, ordinary. Take your everyday, ordinary life. What is in your everyday, ordinary life? Well, he goes on to spell it out. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. And you're walking around life. You could insert going to school. Playing soccer. Playing hockey. Changing diapers. Hanging out with my friends. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. So here's a question to ask ourselves. To who or to what am I giving my everyday ordinary to? What am I giving my everyday ordinary to? Just think about that for a minute. What? Or to whom am I giving my everyday ordinary life? Who am I giving my work to? Who am I giving my school time to? Who am I giving my, I'm so bored, I don't know what to do time. Who or what 
am I giving my everyday ordinary life to? Now I want to take a minute, we're going to pause. I want to, do, I want to do a survey. I've got some questions. So you don't need to like answer them out loud, but you can mentally answer them. If you're following along on the notes, I think they're in there. I don't know if they're in there or not. They might not be in there. But you can answer them. You can just, you know, jot down or you can think about it. So here's the first question. Are you happy most of the time? Don't answer. Are you happy most of the time? Here's another one. Are you excited about the future? Are you excited about the future? Some of you are like, are you kidding? We just got word that kids have got another week of school off. <laughs> are you excited about the future? Have you read the headlines? Ah, we'll get into that. Here's another one. Do you feel deeply loved? Do you feel deeply loved? When was the last time you felt lighthearted? And you're probably, some of you are probably thinking, these are the stupidest questions to ask in year two of pandemic. <laughs> Do I feel lighthearted? <laughs> when was the last time you felt lighthearted? Here's another one. Do you flinch when texts show up on your phone from people asking to hang out with you and spend more time with you? You're like, oh, I don't want to answer that text. <laughs> or maybe it's, you know, are you avoiding the email inbox because of the requests that might be in that email inbox? Here's another question. Do you have a shorter fuse in traffic? Here's another one. Do you feel numb when you hear the story of another tragic thing that happened, whether it's up close or whether it's, you know, far off in our world? So here's the thing about the answers to those questions. The real influence on your answers to those questions isn't the circumstances surrounding you, even though we kind of think it is. The real influence on those answers isn't circumstances. The real influence is the story you tell yourself about your circumstances. That's what influences your answer. I'm gonna say that again because it needs to settle. The real influence on the answers to those questions is not your circumstances. The real influence is the story you tell yourself about those circumstances. That's the real influence on how you answer those questions. And the story that you tell yourself is formed in your daily routine and habits. The story of your life isn't just the circumstances of your life. But the story is actually what you tell yourself about those circumstances. And that story is being formed every day in your routines and in your habits. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to the first question. Are you happy most of the time? Well, if your routine is boundaryless social media or TikTok, and you're following all the cool people, with lots of likes, lots of followers, and lots of money, and you're looking for the latest fashion trend, or the latest aesthetic, or you see all of their awesome travel destinations, you know what the story's gonna be? 
Your story is going to be happiness is in the next purchase, in the next renovation, in the next travel destination. Do you see how our stories that we tell ourselves, they form our roots, they form our, those stories that we tell ourselves, they form our answers. Here's another one. Are you excited about your future? Well, if your daily routine is reading the news headlines, <laughs> believing the news headlines, can I just tell you, you would do well to believe a very, very, very small fraction of what the news media is telling you. But if your daily dose is those headlines and you believe those headlines and then you rehearse those headlines, <laughs> the doom and gloom of those headlines, the story is going to be, it's the end times, the Antichrist has arrived, and we better move to the mountains and wait for the bombs to start dropping. Because that's where it's headed. Let's just go hole up out in the middle of nowhere and wait till this all blows over. Do you feel deeply loved? See, if my routine is a critical examination every morning in the mirror, and all I see is every flaw, every new zit, every new wrinkle. <laughs> or the other side, if I am just relentless with goal after goal after goal and pursuing those goals all across, working more and working my butt off and spending less time in, in building relationships, and my story is going to be this. If I could only, and then fill in the blank, then I would be worth loving. If I could only achieve this goal, then I would be worth loving. If I could only get rid of these wrinkles, I would be worth loving. If I could only clear up my face, I would be worth loving. And see, we might not consciously think that, but those stories are forming in our head, and they're shaping us. The story we tell ourselves is formed in our routines and in our habits. And, you know, there's a really some interesting advice that the Apostle Paul gave Timothy. Now, if you're not familiar with Paul and Timothy, Paul wrote, he was a writer. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was following Jesus after Jesus has already ascended to heaven. But he was a follower and he was a major teacher of the story of Jesus. Not just the doctrine, but the story. And he was, his whole, his whole goal was to teach in these Gentile nations, these non-Jewish nations where they were encountering God's love. And he was, he was preaching the gospel and he was teaching. But what he was teaching them wasn't, you need to accept Jesus in your heart so your sins can be forgiven. You can go to heaven when you die someday. That's not what the good news is. But he was teaching people about the true story. And he was teaching the Gentiles the story because they didn't know the story. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He had a young protege named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a pastor. Some think he was as young as 16 years old when Paul had set him in to pastor a group of people that were starting to become followers of Jesus in a city in Turkey called Ephesus. Now, what was unique about this city, it was a hub of commercial and a hub of, of not, not only commerce and trade, but, but even of culture. But it was crazy. It was one of the, in, in Ephesus, it was a major place of the worship of Diana. It had the temple of Diana. 
in this city. And there had been a huge mob that erupted, but it resulted in a lot of cool things happening. A lot of people started following Jesus. And something that Timothy was as young as 16, maybe even in his, even younger than 20, when he was set in as his pastor, and the church was in the multiplied thousands. I think you'd have a little bit of a high challenge, hey? And this wasn't in a time, this is when Rome was still ruling. This wasn't in a time where they had government favor and got tax receipts for their giving. You know, this was when the government was against them. This is when a lot of times becoming a follower of Jesus meant your business shut down because nobody wanted to do business with you. Your family left you. Your friends left you. Following Jesus meant something. It meant giving your whole life. And Timothy was supposed to pastor these people. And at this time, there was a lot of crazy stuff circulating in the news. And this is what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6. He said, Timothy, you've been raised on the message of the faith. Now that message is another way of saying God's story. The story that God created a good world. Humanity messed it up and broke it. Sin has infected it. Jesus came. He was a real living human being. He was the God man. God in the flesh. Who came. He lived. He brought the kingdom of God to the planet. He died so that humans could now be free to live in God's kingdom. And begin to create. Sorry not create. Begin to cause the reality of God's kingdom to be seen across the whole world. That was the story that God was showing up ahead of time. It's a good news story. You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now, Timothy, pass on this counsel to the Christians there. And you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Now, look at verse 7. Stay clear of silly stories. You know what that literally means? False narratives. Timothy was living in a time where the news wasn't true. Timothy was living in a time where fear was a big narrative. Timothy was living in a time when selfish pursuits were a big narrative. Timothy was living in a time where sexuality was do what makes you feel good, regardless of who or what it's with. Stare clear of the false narratives that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. In other words, train. The word means exercise vigorously. It's a Greek word, gymnazo. You know what it literally means? Exercise naked. <laughs> That's what it meant. But it wasn't just this, oh, approximately, it was intense. It involved, it was this really rigorous training that usually the people that competed in the, in the Colosseums, it's a kind of a training that they would engage in. Exercise daily in God. In other words, train yourself daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but look at this. A disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit both today and forever. That disciplined life, he's referring to spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines or habits are actually a way to practice the good news story of God. They're the way we practice and we rehearse that story. Do you know why we start service with singing? Because it's rehearsing the true story to remind ourselves of the reality of our lives. 
good grace, good God. I live with under a good God's grace given to my life. I've got clean hands and a pure heart, not because of what I do, but because of my trust and my faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. New story. And this is Timothy. This is basically what Paul was saying. Timothy, you have the true story. Stop listening to the false narratives. Practice a new daily routine that's going to keep you in the true story. And I think that's so important for us today. And the question is, what narrative or what story will we practice? See, are the routines you're practicing giving you the results you're looking for? See, it's kind of like this. Imagine you're an athlete that wants to be a really good soccer player. Okay, you want, to be a, you want to be the best soccer player. But your daily routine of practice is dribbling the ball, practicing free throws and three-pointer shots. You know what? You're going to be a terrible soccer player <laughs> because you're practicing the wrong skills to get the results that are needed to be a good soccer player. And sometimes we apply this to our spiritual life. We want the results of God's kingdom God's kingdom story that involves peace and joy, stability, when everything is crazy around you. God's kingdom that is a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom of power and miracles. It's a kingdom of freedom now. It's a kingdom where your life means something. See, we want the results of God's kingdom story, but we're practicing the habits of the culture around us. Routines and habits of our culture like... Self-care and me first. Efficiency. Consumerism. Image control. Hurry. And if we practice culture's normal, we get what's normal in culture. You know what's normal in culture? Broken hearts. Surface relationships. Anxiety. Fear, depression, that's normal in society right now, isn't it? Insecurity, despair, meanness, busyness. See, parents, man, which story do you want shaping your kids or your grandkids' hearts and minds? Do you want the story of the world around us that's always changing? Or do you want the true story of God that has stood the test of millennia? That has been true. It's been stable. It has been stable through worse crazy regimes than what we have been experiencing right now. And it has stood the test of time. It transforms lives. It heals bodies. It restores broken souls. That is a story I wanted my grandkids' life. And we need to anchor ourselves in the true narrative now more than ever. And you know what? I can tell you this. If we aren't intentional, if you aren't intentional, you are already drifting. Because here's the thing. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, the thing about following Jesus that does not give us, you know the one thing that following Jesus does not give you? It doesn't give you growth. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're going to automatically grow. Growth is intentional. And that's where we come in. So here's what I'm inviting us to do as we start a new year. You ready to go? This is going to be easy. Easier than, yes, it will be. You know, a lot of times we fast. Fasting is often common at the start of the year. You fast food, you fast, you know, something, whatever it is. Fasting is going without something. I want to propose something different. Maybe this, maybe what we're going to propose might involve some fasting because fasting is good. It's actually a spiritual discipline. But 
instead of fasting from something, I want to invite us to fast to something. Fast to a new spiritual habit in your life. Maybe for you and your family. And spiritual habits and spiritual disciplines, they're just a different way that we can fast. And, you know, as you, as you saw or heard already in the church news, we've got, there's several books that are out there. This one, Habits of the Household, so good. Even if you don't have kids, I want to encourage you, if you, even if you've got grandkids or if you don't have any, like, little humans in your life, this book is still a game changer because you're going to influence somebody somewhere. You might have a niece. You might have nephews. You might have, you know, you, you might be a part of the voltage team or the preschool team or the nursery team or work with kids in some other capacity. This is such a powerful book because it's not just about good habits for your family. It's about good habits for you, spiritual routines and habits that will transform your life. You can get this at the bookstore. Another one by the same author is called The Common Rule. And in, in your notes and also online, there's going to be some links. We, the Common Rule is a, is a book and it's a study that we did last year at different times during the year. We actually have an online, there's some links on our website and they'll be there as well on how you can access the online the DVDs are super short like 12 minutes and then there's some questions that you can go through if you want to go through it as a couple or with friends or as a group online or however you want to do it how to grow in spiritual disciplines but spiritual habits here they are spiritual habits are spiritual disciplines. they aren't the means to salvation they're not how we get saved they're not how we get God's love they're not how we become acceptable to God because we have all of that in Jesus but spiritual habits are how we grow, how we become intentional. Spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines, they're the means by which God brings the fullness of his life into our lives. They're the ways that we leave, be, we, we get ourselves out of the bad news story and we get ourselves into God's good news story. They're the story that we choose. They're meant to bring God's fullness. And here's just the reality is whenever you start something new, it's going to feel more weird. It's going to be more frustrating than it's fulfilling. But keep at it. And, you know, even with our grandson, it's so funny, he's almost 16 months, and we've been trying to practice praying before meals. Well, how good does that go over, holding the hand of a 16-month-old? get my hand. I want you to control me. And we've been praying and we're making the prayer short. But it was so funny. The other day I had, I was getting ready to feed him and I hadn't taken the time to pray. And I had the food and I was ready to stuff it in his mouth. And he's like, he sticks his hand out. He wants to pray. And so then we prayed and then he opened his mouth. It was so good. You just got to stick with it. And we're the same way. It's going to feel awkward. We're not going to want to do it. Your flesh is going, I don't want to do that. Do it anyway. Less is more. Try focusing on one new habit instead of a life overhaul. If you take one month and focus on one new habit, or even two months to focus on one habit, you have six new, brand new spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines at the end of the year. And the key is connecting it to something you're already doing. I love this story, funny story. A guy, he wanted to um, become more physically fit. And, you know, he's having a hard time staying on his routine. This might help some people. But he said, what do I do? What am I already doing every day? And he's like, well, I'm going to the bathroom every day. So every time he went to the bathroom, he did two push-ups. <laughs> some days, depending on how much he was drinking, he said he did like 50 push-ups. That's a lot of liquid. <laughs> but something you're already doing, you know what? I've done this with, I'm doing this right now with... Bible memory, I, what was my challenge with you, is practicing memorizing scriptures. I'm working on, and I got down Psalm 91, the whole chapter. But I started, I put it on little 
little recipe cards or whatever, it's right on my sink area where I get ready in the morning. It's attached to something I'm already doing, so I'm going through my verses while I'm getting ready. Less is more. Here's the thing about habits. Why don't we stand? I want to pray for you. You know what, habits are actually, you can look at them as grooves of grace. Can you say that, grooves of grace? Habits, these spiritual disciplines are grooves of grace. You know what, life can be exhausting, especially in certain seasons, parenting seasons, life change transitions can be exhausting, seasons of loss. Man, this year, the last two years have been really big losses for many of us. In some way, it might have been the loss of your job or loss of friends or loss of loved ones. And all we want in those seasons is just, we just want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We just want to get through. We just want a solution. We just want to make it. We just kind of hold your... And the thing about spiritual disciplines, what they do is they, they help us to, they keep us anchored in what's true. They help us give us a clear focus. They wake us up and they keep us awake and alert to what God is doing. And that's where, when we can see what God is doing in the world, that's when the hope starts to grow and where that strength starts to come in. I want to invite you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you watching online. I want to pray, first of all, that God would, God would just speak to you. What is that one spiritual habit to start this year? false starts. Father, so many of us have had over and over trying for a new change, trying to, to grow, trying to follow you, trying to become strong, trying to make a new start, trying to leave the past behind. And God, I just speak right now. I lift up the name of Jesus over every failure, over every past good start, and then Oh, it didn't last. God, I lift up the victory of Jesus Christ. I lift up and I declare the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. Father, coming in like a river of grace, a groove of grace for your people. Father, those in the room, those watching online, God, that your grace would come on us, Father, for a whole new season, that we would be able to live in the true story of Jesus, the true story of God. God, your true story of goodness and salvation and your kingdom come here on earth, that good story would become so clear, so loud, so obvious over all the other narratives. And God, we just make that declaration. God, we choose your story. And in fact, church watching online and church in the room, I want to invite you to pray if today is a great day, the second day of a brand new year, to say yes to following Jesus, to say yes to living in this brand new story. The story is there, it's just waiting for you to say yes. I'm leaving my old story behind and I want to live in Jesus' story. I'm going to follow Jesus. And can we pray together out loud? Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you have done. Thank you for a good story that you died and rose again to bring me into. And I say yes to living out your story for my life. Thank you for a brand new start today. Amen. 
We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.